And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Stop it! Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back. To the bins. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. Merry Christmas. Shit is full. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you get good geek stuff? Um, I got some decent stuff. You know, I was more the purveyor of uh, very, very cool geek stuff. So. All right. Well, but uh, see, now I have now uh, I wanted to uh, be able to play my vinyl records throughout the house. And I didn't really have the system to do that. So now I got a Sonos port, but then Sonos is not good with other things. That's that's nice. Superman tie. So I got two Sonos speakers, which cost like $250 each. So. And what does that know. hook up to a turntable? Well, I have the turntable hooked up to the port, but I'm also going to hook up my CD player to the port because I still have that. And then uh, we'll work from there. Very cool. And the tie was the extent. I got uh, a, uh, I got a, uh, well, here, I can show you one geek thing I got. Oh, that's nice. Is this supposed yeah. to be like Mon- a Monet or something like that? Uh, I believe it's a Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Uh, yes. Starry Starry Night is the name mm-hmm. of it. But for anybody listening, if this ends up in the episode, uh, it's got Darth Vader in it, and up in the sky is the Death Star. It's so very nice. On my wall. And I also got a Spider-Man popcorn maker. Which is an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, I, the, the, the tie was the extent. I mean, I got a, a couple of collectible type of things, but not really geeky related. I got a Lionel Christmas box car, but that's, I don't think anyone... That's on, geeky, though. That's geeky. <clears throat> I don't think anyone don't, on don't our under, would care. Don't underestimate your geekiness. So... That was uh, that was about it. And how was the holiday overall for you? It was pretty decent. You know, it was it was kind of expensive because <laughs> we, we, we went out for dinner on Christmas Eve, and that that ran let's just say several hundred dollars. And then we went out to brunch yesterday, so that was also a uh, a little bit of a, a, a an investment. Hundreds but, you know, of comics could have been purchased. But, oh, that's very nice. It's a uh, lithograph that my wife, uh, Bugs Bunny, wearing an Islander jersey and holding up the foam number one finger. 
So I have to get a frame for that one because she wasn't sure what type of frame I would like. And she said she didn't want to buy a frame and then have it be what I didn't want. So she figured better that I picked out one for myself. It's a shame that's not even going to make it to your office. No, that will that will not make it to my work office. That'll that will be that'll be uh, put up somewhere in the house. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm actually going to start like, I guess it's the first wave of things coming home. I actually have Christmas decorations that I keep in my you know in one of the uh, in the credenza in my office, and then I break it out every year after Thanksgiving, and I put it all around the office, and you know my my office, and I. Uh, I now, when I take that down, when I go back to the office, I'm going to uh, bring it home. But I told my son, you know, when I get it home, if he wants to take it now that he has an apartment, he can take that stuff and make it the start of his Christmas. And eventually it'll make it to his office and the tradition will continue. Well, I would assume he has an office. Yeah, my cousin got me this. Still in the package. Do you remember the Britain's Toy Soldiers? Oh, yeah. This is uh, a motorcycle policeman, but Uh specifically a U.S. sheriff as opposed to a policeman because he knows I have that obsession with, you know, sheriffs. Mm Mm-hmm. I might make it to the train display, but I think it's a little too big for that, the scale. Well, I don't know. I, I, I generally find myself not worrying about scale, like with the Christmas village and all of that stuff, because there's no way those people are getting into those houses. <laughs> so, so I just kind of, you know, it's, it's, I, I take some liberties with it, you know. Oh, uh, Lordy. Lordy. What do you got? What do you got on tap for New Year's? Now, everybody listening to this, it's probably going to be about the end of January or into February by the time you hear it. But as Dave and I are recording, we are in between Christmas and New Year's. Just so you and know. I, and I have been off this week, so I've been trying to enjoy myself. Uh, we and do I, nothing for New Year's, to be blunt. You know, my mother and sister were out here yesterday and they were fishing around. Oh, yeah. Would you you want to come to Brooklyn and go out to dinner New Year's Eve? And it's like, no, we we don't go out. We stay home, the two of us. We watch the odd couple. And we wait for the ball to drop and pick up the odd couple. We go back and forth between the odd couple and the honeymooners. Yeah. Yeah. Because they run the two different marathons. Uh, but, yeah, we were just talking to, to two of the four kids about New Year's Eve. And and uh, we got, you know, they were asking what we're doing. And we're like, oh, we're just staying home. And and they're like, that's boring. And it's like, you know what? That's what you think. I said, but one day, <laughs> I said, you're going to be sitting there and you're going to be. And, and so, you know, New Year's Eve is going to come and you're going to say, now I know what they were talking about. <laughs> it, the day is going to come. Yeah. Oh, we we yeah, we've arrived there. It's a couple of years now. Uh, who the hell wants to go anyway? You got to worry about wherever you're going, what you where you're gonna park when you get there, and then the driving's an issue, and it's just not worth it. Yeah, the only thing is, probably I'm gonna be staying up 
to pick up my stepdaughter when she's done with her New Year's Eve thing. So I will be up. Uh, so we may consider having like one of the couples that we're close with who live close by, if they're not doing anything, saying, why don't you come over till midnight? And at 1201, get, 1201, get your asses out of my get house. Out. <laughs> get out as soon as that clock strikes 12. I don't know if that's happening at all, but, you know, that's 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 about as wild as it would get. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. But I had the uh, the girls were here for the last two days. They're gone now. They're they've left the state. They want to take a guess where they're going. Uh, Disney. How the heck could you have guessed that? <laughs> I had her here yesterday, and we spent the whole uh, afternoon watching uh, Justice League Unlimited. That's cool. It's really a That's great series, you know. I, you know, I, we hadn't watched it in years. That's so. it, it. It really is so well done, and I know there's purists out there who prefer the just the Justice League cartoon over the Justice League Unlimited. But for me, the Unlimited was just a total geek fest. Yeah. So, well, it, you know, we originally were going to try and record something. Mm-hmm. And we got so wrapped up in the episode that we weren't saying anything. <laughs> so we, we just scrapped it. We said, well, we'll watch it. And then uh, another time we'll try and do a commentary on it. Plus, it really would have probably made Scott angry. Which one were you going to try and do? Oh, uh, I'm forgetting the name, but the one where uh, Superman gets shot into the future and they think he's dead. And he meets mm. Vandal Savage in the future. So they do the whole funeral. Thing. Yeah, and I, I know that one and I can't think of the name. I think it's like the hereafter or something like that. But it was a great, you know, it was a great episode and we just rolled on from there. Yeah, well, once you start going, it's hard to stop. I think we watched that, and then we jumped to uh, uh, Flashpoint. I think it's in season three, the original Flashpoint, you know, uh, where uh, Luthor hacks the uh, Watchtower, mm-hmm. they fire on Cadmus, and there's this big tension between the government and the Justice League, and it's like episode Excellent. after episode after that, you know, it just keeps rolling. Is that the, does that end with him combining with Brainiac? Yes. Yeah. And and then the, the one after that is excellent as well. Oh, it's so good. That's the epilogue where it's Amanda Wallet talking to Terry Mc is it McGinnis? Terry McGinnis. No, I, I thought I thought Flashpoint ended with them combining, and then there was another episode with them fighting the combination. Well, they be, they they before beat you got to uh, epilogue. Oh, maybe there was another one. But, they, you know, they wrap that up, and then there's this epilogue episode, and then it starts the next season is basically the Legion of Doom. Yeah, which the, I think the first season was superior to the second season, but it was still good. No, it's all good. And, it, and that's the one that ended with, uh, with them uh, reviving Darkseid. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, I, you know, like I said, we just started the last season. I, I don't remember where it goes. 
if, if I remember right, it was Luther trying to revive Brainiac because mm-hmm. he wanted yeah. to get back to that. And he, he's duped into reviving Darkseid instead. And then they end up, it, you know, the, the, uh, the season ends with them fighting Darkseid. And then they have another, like, an epilogue episode where they, they did, like, a kind of a play on the Super Friends where they had, like, Apache Chief and uh, <laughs> I can't even remember what the other, what was the, 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 the Asian was, karate guy? Oh, wait, 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 wait. The Asian karate guy. I remember the guy who could turn into like a what the hell was samurai or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. And today I was on my own. I watched. Uh, I never watched those new movies they made. You know, the uh, Death of Superman and Reign of the Superman, the DC animated. Yeah, I haven't watched those yet either. They were very good. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm let me put the caveat on. I'm not thrilled with the art style and it's directed towards that whole new 52 look. Right. But the story itself was very well done. Very well done and it worked in close enough to the original storyline that I was happy with it. Much more so than that original uh, Superman Doomsday cartoon. Oh, that, that came out. Well, you know, they have definitely gotten better on some of the cartoons, but I have, I have to watch a lot of them still. What what surprised me, you know, you, every once in a while you see something in this, and you're like shocked that they actually put that in the thing. Mm. Was, and it's not really a spoiler. After Superman's buried, they have this montage, you know, of. Uh, Everyone like reacting to his funeral. And it's that scene with Bibbo where he says the whole Hail Mary. Mm. Mm, and I was kind of like. They, I'm surprised they left that in, honestly. I was really surprised as well. You figure, you know, in today's day and age, that would be the first thing that wouldn't make the cut. But, you know, they yeah. leave that whole part in where it goes. I don't understand, God, how you could, you know, let a roughneck like me survive and take Superman. That's cool. I'm going to have to watch that. Maybe we'll end up doing an episode at some point. Nah, it was very, very good. Uh, Reign of the Superman was all right. It wasn't bad, but they, uh, you know, they changed up the story. Yeah, I could see that that might not translate well to. Uh, and it wasn't bad. It wasn't to what they would do. bad, but. It was all right. Fun. I had a good afternoon. Nothing yeah. better than having the house to yourself, and this is what you watch. Oh, please, everybody go out. <laughs> oh, yeah, go. Bye. I got things to do here. Right, so let's let's talk some comics. Mm-hmm. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spataro, and I am here with David Pascarella. What's happening, Dave? How is How are things going, my friend? Things are good. Excellent. Or at least they're pretty good. Excellent. You got to steeple your fingers when you say that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so as, as people have heard, you know, we we are recovering from Christmas and bracing ourselves for New Year's. Even though it's all in the past for you as you listen to this, 
but we decided to interrupt our very, very busy schedules to bring you a comic today. And we talked about just sitting and shooting the breeze for the whole time. And I know some people enjoy that, but we've shot the breeze a little bit here already. And uh, I like to, uh, you know, to to uh, hit a book at least, you know, when we can. I hate to just continuously do shoot the breeze episodes. So I decided to pull out a Brave and the Bold with Batman and Commandy thinking, you know, that uh Bob Haney, you know, the the way he would he would uh combine the uh you know Batman with these other universes would be fun. And I think I honestly I think I picked the wrong one. Not that this one was bad, but the first one is in issue 120 and that's Batman going to the future and I think that would have been even sillier. So I would have enjoyed that even more. This is issue 157, and it's Commandy coming to our time. And it's not quite as silly as I'm used to from the Haneyverse. I didn't really think it was silly, other than the whole how he gets here and goes back. I didn't find it to be silly. Well, there were things about it that I thought were silly. like, And we'll, we'll talk about that, I guess, once we do. I can't imagine decide. what you could mean. <laughs> You're going to be all offended now. This could be a documentary. What are you talking about? No, I'm kidding. So this has a cover date of December of 1979. And the cover, and I think the cover is interesting because it shows Batman punching out a thug. And behind him is Commandy, I guess, kind of jumping down from uh, from an upper level of the building that's mm-hmm. there. And he's got a knife in his hand. And based upon that picture, you have no reason to think Commandy is doing anything except for backing Batman up, which is not the case. Oh, I thought he was going to ambush Batman. Well, that is more likely what it is. But I think if, you know, if you just know these two characters, you would just assume they're going to be teaming up and friends. So, I, you know, I, I wouldn't have based upon the picture, I wouldn't have automatically thought, oh, they're going to be battling each other. So the story is credited as being written by by Bob Haney, but then there's a note that it's Mike W. Barr, and apparently, from what I could glean, uh, they continued to give Haney credit for Brave and the Bold for about four issues after he stopped writing it. Uh, And I think perhaps he gave like a little bit of a plot plan in advance, and uh, that's why he gets the, the credit on it. But anyway... Uh, it is penciled and inked by Jim Aparo, uh, colored by Jerry Serpy, lettered by Jim Aparo, and edited by Paul Levitz. And the story opens up with Batman uh, on a rooftop looking down at a senator who's going to a meeting with the governor. And the hel- he goes into a helicopter, the helicopter takes off, and then the... Uh, pilot of the helicopter says uh you know we're we're not going to see the the governor i'm going to take you basically and kill you uh but batman somehow got from that other rooftop to the roof of the helicopter without chopping himself up in the helicopter blades and 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 looks down on the pilot through the through the side window uh the pilot tries to shoot him but doesn't get him he loses control the plane ends up crashing but the governor does not get killed because Batman goes and pulls him out. They go and see uh, Commissioner Gordon and they discuss uh, a mob 
faction called Extortion Inc. And apparently they had contacted the senator. They wanted him to convince the governor to pardon somebody in prison. He refused and they decided they were going to kill him for his refusal. Batman has apparently got uh, his eyes on this Extortion Inc. and is trying to stop them from doing what they're doing. In the meanwhile, uh, he gets called by Commissioner Gordon and they have word that there's a new enforcer, a young out-of-town punk, and that he was actually shot with a 12-gauge shotgun, uh, but didn't even flinch when it happened. And then he asked for his clothes and his motorcycle. (laughs) Yeah, I need your your sunglasses. Uh, so Batman goes to see some dude named Martin Tellman. I don't know if anybody else is familiar with him. I don't know him. Uh, and I'm just trying to see if it's, it doesn't, I guess he's somebody who's appeared before. Uh, and Batman is, wants to use him because he has, uh, you know, he has connections and he says, you know, I want you to make it known that you have the Kalari Rose, the world's most perfect pink diamond. And Batman has the diamond, apparently, and gives it to him. Uh, so he does what Batman says, and then he gets a phone call extorting him to bring the diamond uh, and and that he has to give it to them, and they'll kill him and all of that stuff. How much Batman, greater would this have been if the stone was called the Panther? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the uh, the uh, <laughs> Batman... <laughs> Disguises himself as Tellman and goes for the uh, exchange and the enforcer approaches and Batman pulls off his hat hat and sees that it's Commandy. Uh, He mentions the name, which seems to confuse the young fella, uh, and he punches Batman and then takes off. He clearly does not have a memory of who he is. Meanwhile, he, you know, Batman continues to follow up on this and finds another one of Extortion Inc.'s victims providing a priceless oriental vase to Commandy. Batman follows him and ends up fighting with Commandy, who is showing much more invulnerability than he ever has in the past. The vase gets knocked over, but Batman saves it. And then while he's doing that, Commandy disappears. Uh, but he did take notice that when Commandy banged his foot on one of the posts on a pier that they were on. Uh, that caused that's the only thing that caused him pain. So he knows that something's up there. Meanwhile, Extortion Inc. is continuing their uh, going after all these things. And oh, he, he excuse me, Martin Tellman is contacted again. What they want to drop off of money this time. So Batman again dresses himself up as Tellman. And he comes in with the money. Commandy checks it to make sure that there's no sort of bug in it. But Batman had spoken to one of his underworld connections who he had helped out in the past and was a pickpocket. And he has him put a uh, tracer in Commandy's pocket. So ultimately, he comes over to where Extortion Inc. is hiding out in some type of a uh, garage. Paul Levitt's garage, to be specific. Oh, yeah, that's true. It is Levitt's garage. And uh, he he overhears a conversation between the gang boss and whoever's running this current thing, uh, saying how they uh, 
came across Commandy and they've hypnotized him and that they put some sort of King Cobra venom into his foot that they can release by remote control. Uh, in the meanwhile, they also find that he his invulnerability that somehow came with him is slowly fading. So they decide that it's going to be time to get rid of him. So they call him into the main room and Batman interferes and stops him from using the remote control to kill him. And I got to stick with the story here. I'm sorry. He ends up bringing Commandy back to the cave where they take the Cobra venom out of him and they undo the uh, hypnosis. Commandy tells them how he had come across I, you know, I don't even know some of this stuff with, with Commandy, but he comes across the sacred wall, which opens up and is what sent him through time and gave him that invulnerability, which is fading away. Okay. So, and at this point, they go back to that and they reverse engineer some way in some Haney kind of way and send him back to the future. And the the, the lesson of it all for Commandy is, even though he comes from an effed up period of time, it's not so great where we are now either, and he'd rather be where he comes from. Yeah, okay. I'd rather be where there's plumbing. <laughs> yeah, me too. Even if you, even if there is organized crime, I, I'll I'll take plumbing. I'll take electricity. I think Commandy's take... you know a little touched in the head to be completely honest with you. Now, Commandy, when when we we not too too long ago did uh, an episode where we covered Commandy number one. And in the last couple of years, I had taken it on myself that I really wanted to either acquire or reacquire, if I had some stuff in the past that I didn't have anymore, pretty much all of Jack Kirby's DC stuff from the early 70s. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten most of it. There's a very small handful of issues that I still need to to close that out. But uh, Commandy, I had been one year at New York Comic Con and I had gone over to either a one or a two dollar table and I got most of the early issues from that uh, issue number one I bought on eBay last year for I don't think it was that much money it was probably like thirty dollars or something like that uh, and I'm down to two issues that I need of Commandy now uh, I think it's 53 and 55 if my memory is correct and they're both run? There, uh, I think it ran 59 oh okay that's and a both, fairly so both long of those run issues, both of those issues were not Kirby issues, so they shouldn't be. I should be able to find them in the dollar bin over time. It's just a matter of being in a place with the dollar bin that has them. I wouldn't, close that th- out. I wouldn't think that a Commandy would be, um, you know, something that a lot of people are looking for. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I don't I think if anything, if if any of it is higher ticket, I would think it would be the Kirby issues. Mm hmm. But, uh, you know, once Kirby left, which I think was like in the I think was in the 30s, maybe, uh, you know, after that, I, I know Jerry Conway wrote a bunch of them. I'm not sure exactly. Once once I completed, I'm, I'm planning on doing a, a read through of the entire run. And and I know a lot of it is, you know, very silly with the talking animals. And it was taking advantage of, you know, the Planet of the Apes, you know, uh, thoughts. But. You know, I'm I'm a sucker for Planet of the Apes anyway, so I have no problem going after those. I'm trying to remember. My experience with Commandy came later on. I think I, I want to say it's Infinite Crisis. 
where they make a lot of references to Commandy and his yeah, ties to Omac. And and I know one of the final issues of Commandy has Omac in it. So I'm not. I, I might be the last issue. I'm not even 100% sure. Let me let me actually open up my CLZ app and. I cheated on this and uh, I you know I didn't know much about Commandy, so I read the Who's Who entry on him. Mm-hmm. Anything that, of of note in that? Uh, he's the he is the grandson of uh, Buddy Blank, who is the prototype that was turned into Omac. Right, and that he's yeah, the, named the final... after, he's named after the bunker he lived in as a child. Command, Command D. D. Right. Yeah. The uh, the final issue is issue fifty nine, and the and the cover has Commandy and Omac together. And I have no idea how that ended. But, yeah, I think a lot of Kirby's stuff, Commandy stuff and the Fourth World stuff, they really tried to build and make a lot of the DC, I guess the, the uh, what you call it, the cosmic stuff, uh, a lot with that, with the new gods and all of that stuff. Um, and, and, you know, they, and with Commandy, I think they tried to tie it all in together with that as well. So... You know, I, I I think that's why I want to put it on my, my list as a reading project, because I want to see how it was built up originally. I want to do read the whole Kirby run from back then. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I want to see how they built on that. And and a lot of that is, is the case in Marvel, too. But, you know, a lot of stuff that we're seeing in the uh, MCU is stuff that Kirby started with. A lot of that was built on by Jim Starlin. Uh, and then a lot of that was built on by Abnett and Landing. And, you know, that's the stuff we're seeing in, in the movies now. But it was all, you know, the seed was planted by Kirby and Lee. And in D.C., the seed was planted in, by Kirby. Now, I'm fascinated by C- Commandy because it's that whole uh, 70s, you know, Planet of the Apes, Thunder, the Barbarian, that whole, you know, there's some disaster or war or something, and these are the remnants of our society in the future. Right. I would find a, a commandy read-through fascinating, I think. Well, maybe you need to do one as well. I might have to do that. I think you do. <laughs> I think we're going to make that mandatory. <laughs> But but I'm, I want I want to do honestly I want to do an entire fourth world read through I want to do the commandy read through and then I want to add in the other Kirby stuff like uh, what you call it listen I'm drawing a blank uh, then what the new the, gods like like the the demon well that's the fourth world stuff is is the new gods but the demon uh, and uh, what else did he do that he brought to DC I'm trying to remember now. I think I'm missing one issue of the demon and I'm missing one issue of, uh, am I even missing anything on the demon? I'm looking now as we're talking. Uh, no, I have issues one through 16 of the demon. I think I'm missing one issue of Mr. Miracle still, but I, you know, I have all of the Jimmy Olsen fourth world stuff now. And I have, uh, I have the entire run of new gods, including the stuff that was done after he left. The Jimmy Olsen stuff, that's all Jimmy Olsen, Superman's pal stuff, right? Yeah, and, and Kirby came into that for, I'm going to say, roughly 15 issues. Because that and becomes then Superman family, right? 
Yes, exactly. Yeah, I'm missing one issue of uh, one issue of uh, Mr. Miracle, issue number two. Uh, but yeah, that that eventually becomes Superman Family, and the first appearance of Darkseid is in that run. So that was the one I had the most difficulty getting a hold of when I was trying to acquire them, and I got one in pretty good shape. And I don't, I you know, I, I lose track of how much I spend on these things, but I I don't think because actually I want to wipe them from my memory. As You're much better as off not. You're better yeah, exactly. off not remembering. But I but I'm pretty sure I got that at a, at a pretty reasonable price. And you know, I'm trying to find in my collection which issues are the ones that are commanding the really high prices. And this is kind of a tangent off that because I know I have that issue in one of those comic skins, which mm-hmm. is. You know the 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 hard hard uh, case. Like if you get it done by CGC, only I can open it if I want, uh, and and I'm not subjecting myself to their rating system. But every once in a while, I look and I and I see you know like a comic, and I'm thinking, you know that's no big deal. And I see it's commanding like a huge price, and then it's like, well, I, I gotta get a comic skin for that. The, the most recent one for that was just this week. I was looking at, at some Spider-Man issues, and I have a decent number of Spider-Mans in those skins already. But I think it's issue 347, and it's one of these ones where they have, like, some sort of tattoos in it. And I looked on eBay, and I see they're asking, like, $350 for this book. Really? So it's like, you know what? i got to throw that in a comic skin. But, you know, the, the skins aren't cheap either, though, so I don't want I don't want to overdo it. Oh, the boards but, and the bags aren't cheap anymore either. Yeah, and I've been little by little redoing my my bagging because a lot of my bags are you know thirty five years old. So it's you not supposedly you're not supposed to leave them that long, uh, and I'm so little by little I'm working through and rebagging everything, and I'm thinking this will be the final time because I'm not going to live another thirty five years. So. <laughs> I'm I'm okay with just leaving them for the rest of my existence in the bags I'm putting them in now. Then it's up to somebody else. Yeah, it's somebody else's job. Well, I always say, you know, like I could get rid of uh I can get rid of my collection if I wanted to so that nobody else would have to bother with it. But then my thought on that is that well now I'm all, all I'm doing is planning to die. I can't have these things that give me pleasure because someone else is going to have the headache of getting rid of them when I die. Too tough, bad. Tough. That's their problem. So when I'm gone, if somebody listens to this podcast and, and and gets mad at me for having this callousness about me with regard to my comic collection, oh well, we will you you will live and I'm not there anymore, so we're good. What kind of bags are you using? Resealable ones or just regular ones? I've been getting I, I started getting these ones that that are already they already have the seal on them. You have to pull a little right. plastic strip off them and you and you put them down. Uh. I had never had those before, but I started buying them because they're really not that much more money than the other ones, and I don't have to sit there with a roll of tape taping them all closed. I know. <laughs> I like those bags. Yeah, and I, I you know, I, I've been buying when I have buy, bought them, I've been buying the bags and the boards a thousand at a pop. So I get a, a, you know, you get a discount for ordering that much at once. Of course, when the yeah. package comes, then I hear, I can't bring this thing in; it's too heavy. Well, just leave it. I'll bring it in. <laughs> Don't you worry about what's in there. It'll be taken care of. Exactly. So, uh, so Jim, we were talking about the silliness in this, the silliness factor. Uh, 
the silliness that I saw was, you know, one just that just by chance he came over there and lost his memory and gained invulnerability. Like no real reason for any of that, but it just happened. Right. I didn't really uh, get the whole why he became invulnerable. Yeah, they don't really tell you. But but his but he had the legitimately Achilles heel that that was there and they put cobra venom in him. Like, what the hell is that all about? Cobra was responsible for this. Yeah. Cobra Command was responsible. Yeah, com- Cobra Command D. D. <laughs> I found so. it a bit confusing, too, as well, the whole plot behind this, that they just... I mean, the first incident that doesn't involve Command D with this uh, extortion ink is trying to get this senator to get a pardon from the governor. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even involve command. It's like just a fluke that yeah. Batman comes across this. And then, then he's just like, he's, he's on a building across the street. Right. And then he, then he's on the roof of the helicopter. I mean, and how then fast he's popping is he? up on one side and popping up on the other side. Yeah, it, it's it definitely strains logic. And they manage they crash on the roof of police headquarters without destroying the building. And the senator is left alive. Yes. Unfortunately, Mr. Extortion Inc. representative doesn't quite make it. You know, I, I kind of liked that aspect of it, thinking that, you know, well, they at least have like some serious repercussions. It's not like, oh, thank God no one was hurt. You know, <laughs> we didn't get that. Right. Right. Instead, we got, well, he's dead. He's dead, Jim. Looks like Chase Geo Birdie was the senator from Falcon Crest. Wow. You remember that program? Yes, I do. Wasn't he? I, then he I, played, I, I can't. You, what's the actor's name? He played an admiral in uh, Star, I think, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I'm, I'm going to have to look him up because I don't remember the actor's name. Uh, I found the interesting thing about him was that in his last years or her last years, he his significant other was Elizabeth Montgomery. Really? Wasn't like Robert Foxwood or something? Robert Foxworth. That's it. Worth, right. OK. Yes. Does that Very not look easy. like him? Yeah. Oh, he absolutely does. But the funny thing is, uh, and I've talked about this in the past, that uh, my wife, my wife and I have since our, in the last three years, we've binged a lot of uh, the nighttime soaps. We started with Dynasty. Then we did Dallas. Then we did uh, Melrose Place. And we did eventually we, we did Falcon Crest, which was not all that long ago. And I was totally ignorant of that until maybe two months ago, three months ago. So now you throw out Chase Giaberti and and I know and I get the reference. It's like if you had done that six months ago, I would have had I would have been saying who who the heck are you talking about? Well I know all this crap because when I was a kid, Friday nights I'd sit with my grandmother and she'd watch Dallas and then this Falcon Crest. Both came after the Dukes of Hazard on channel two. Well, needless to say. So now on Deep Space Nine, he played Admiral Layton on two episodes, mm-hmm. Homefront and Paradise Lost. 
Right, that's the one where they declare martial law on Earth. With the oh, yeah, yeah. changelings. Yeah, that was a good one. Very good one. And he was married to Elizabeth, Elizabeth Montgomery from 1993 to 1995 when she died. Uh, that's a shame. She was a very beautiful woman. And I don't... I guess he's still alive. Apparently he is he is still alive. He's 82 old? years old. Oh, that's 82. Not old. So he's a young man. He's young, a young He's got at least another 30 years to go. He's going to have to change the bags in his comics now. <laughs> he, 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 but, you know, back to your point, he, 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 did, he did look like the senator. <laughs> uh, and what's, this comic was before that program was on TV, so. Oh, yeah. They were projecting. Yeah, he was he was not the uh, the the model for the character. He was <laughs> then, he, oh he did the, he was the voice actor of Professor Hamilton on Justice League Unlimited. Ah, and I just watched watched that. Oh God! And be- before he married Elizabeth Montgomery, he had lived with her for twenty years. Oh, and then he decided he was going to make an honest woman out of her. What year did they get married? 93. Oh, he waited till the bitter end, huh? And then she died in 95. Huh. What are you going to do? So. You think Extortion Inc. is a low-budget version of Murder Incorporated? I think that is what inspired the name. <laughs> I... I uh... Well, just, you know, getting back to the book, I I would like to see, I would have liked to have seen Extortion Inc. become like a regular thorn in Batman's side. I think that would have been a good way to present it. Yes. And I don't know, I don't know that they ever appeared again. Yeah. I like, I like looking at at the, uh, the DC wiki page. uh, It says Extortion Inc. single appearance. So they were not a thorn in his side. How sad. What could have been? Well, I like this panel here at the bottom of page four, okay? Mm-hmm. Right-hand bottom corner. We couldn't capture him, Batman. He's more than hired muscle. He's an inhuman maniac. I gave him both barrels, and he never flinched. And Gordon's like, you shook up, Ryan. Nobody shrugs off a 12-gauge shotgun. You must have missed. I see the Night Stalker <laughs> going on here. <laughs> Call Jack. Yeah. Your men all shot at him point blank. It didn't even slow him down. I love the Night Stalker. <laughs> Me too. What's his, what was the uh, the the publisher's name? Lorenzo. What? No, I, I, I thought it was D something. Oh wait, it's 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 like an Italian name. Vincenzo. Vincenzo, right? Vincenzo. I don't remember what his last last name was. That in um, particular look, had a looking, looking it up as we as we're talking. Claude Aikens is the sheriff. Had a uh, what's his name uh, from uh, Larry Linville? Yeah, uh, Major Burns is the coroner. There's another guy who's he was in Star Trek too. I can't think of you know like one of those bit part. Guys who was in everything. 
I'm opening up the IMDb page now. Yeah, Darren McGavin, Carol Lindley, Simon Oakley played Tony Vincenzo. Tony Vincenzo, I guess. Yeah. Ralph Meeker, Claude Akins, Charles McGraw, Ken Smith, Elijah Cook Jr. Who was uh, the guy was in Star Trek at some point? Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, he was the uh, the the lawyer who liked books in Star Trek. Cogley, right? Yes. Cogley. Barry Barry Altwater, he was in Star Trek at some point. Atwater, excuse me. Who's he? Janos Gorsny? Yes. Those eyes. Mm. Did you ever do that on Is It Jaws? No, we. We, if you if you will recall, we had started to do a, a another podcast, and we were going to call it Boob Tubers, and it was going to be a weekly kind of a TV re, TV episode review program, and it was taking from uh, kind of the theory from Quantum Leap that we were leaping from one television episode to another. Right. And we recorded the Night Stalker, we recorded the Night Strangler, we recorded the. Uh, the the pilot episode of the original Flash TV series, we Twilight did the Zone. pilot. We did the pilot episode of the newer Flash TV series, and we did a Twilight episode that you guest starred on. Right about the uh, assassination of JFK. And that was that. And and the show never aired. Yeah, I think that's all we did. We didn't do any more episodes than that. Uh, and I, I had said, you know, do me a favor, send me the the, the raw footage. I'll, I'll make them into episodes of Is It Yours? And the raw footage, unfortunately, has never been found. So those episodes uh, are, are, are lost to pos- to uh, posterity. Well, that's good, though, because we can revisit the Night Stalker then. We can. We absolutely can. Else. Not only not only can we, we should. Oh, because it's fantastic. It is, I, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to go too far into it, but I saw the Night Stalker when it was first on TV and I was, well, what, what, let me see, when did it air? It aired in 1972. So I would have been like nine years old when I saw this. I was Uh, like one. And, and I, I remember like being not, I don't know if I would say terrified, Yes, but, but, but having nightmares afterwards. Because I I saw it in the 80s as a smaller child, and it scared the hell out of me. Yeah. that Both the Night Stalker and the Night Strangler. I, I've been saving that because that's the last thing I have to watch with uh, Kolchak. Oh, you so never I, saw it? I have it, but I haven't watched it. It's like I'm I'm saving it. you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, one of the people in that is uh, Richard Anderson from uh... – from the Six Million Dollar Man. Oh my God! No, but Night Stalker is great, and that's what this reminded me of. Uh, Gordon is like uh, Claude Akins, uh, Sheriff Butcher. He doesn't believe that he shot him. Maybe yeah, his no, entire department is blind. Yeah, when when you get people like Commissioner Gordon who've dealt with so many. I don't want to say supernatural, but just superpowers and different things that have come up. Why couldn't he believe that this guy's invulnerable to a shotgun? Right. What do you, you say? Know, <laughs> well, it's like the whole thing uh, with the aliens. If you were yeah. to say, oh, yeah, there's aliens. 
oh no, that can't possibly be possible. We only have the Martian Man onto Superman. Yeah, exactly. We've only had a, in, incursions from other worlds into Earth on numerous occasions. That old dark side thing. I, I don't know what you could possibly be talking about. Yeah, it's crazy. That, they, but I guess they they want to try and still, you know, add that air of it being, you know, out of the ordinary. For Gotham, I guess. Well, you know, Gotham is such a cesspool. Nobody wants to go there. So what did you think of the artwork in this? I actually like the artwork. I think it's that more realistic style that I prefer. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Jim Aparo. I like his stuff. I think some of the coloring I'm not happy with. A couple of like bright colors that I think could have been it could have been made more moody with a little bit of a darker palette. Well, I'm not looking at I don't have an original copy of this, so I don't know whether it's my copy maybe the scan but yeah there's some color choices that i wouldn't have made but the art itself i think is great yeah, the, yeah I'm, i i am a fan of 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 aparo like later towards the end of his career i you know i thought he he definitely lost uh i'm gonna just say lost a step for lack of a better term uh but other than that, like when when he was at his best, which would be you know basically throughout the seventies, uh, I, I think his artwork was really good. The uh, panel at the bottom of page five, left hand corner of uh, Martin Tellman, mm-hmm. something about him that reminds me of Oscar Goldman, the way his face looks. Go back back to Richard Anderson. Yeah. Or, or a little bit, a little bit of William Shatner in that shot. Slightly, I could see slightly, yeah. I mean, the hair is what kind of ruins it, but the face is what what does it for me. It's a very seventies esque. Yeah. Which I appreciate. It was. So I mean, this, it's, an, it's 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 a fairly packed story. There's a lot that goes on, but it doesn't cry out for decompression. It's done very well with what it is. So do you know how many appearances this Martin Tellman made? Is he a no, regular? Not, not offhand. Let's see if I can uh, if click only we on his. Advice. Well, I'm going to try and click on his name and see if it gives me anything. No, they don't have a link to him. It, it, he's not listed as single appearance, so I assume he has other appearances, but well, I don't know. He's apparently has multiple uh, appearances here. Hold on. Um, well, first appearance, Batman 164. Twelve appearances, Martin Tellman, Earth One. Uh, yeah, so I guess he was a somewhat recurring character. He was Batman's buddy. Trying to figure, I guess he was sort of like one of those uh, experts someone would go to yeah i'm wondering you know if if you did it right he would have been like somebody in year one who was training bruce wayne and in you know maybe in finance or something Mm. and clearly he's a rich guy yeah so i guess we could rate this at this point 
I thought it was a fun book. I enjoyed As did it. I. As did I. I, uh, you know, I picked it off the cuff, like I said, and I think I want to come back. I think I, I, I want us to do issue 120, which is the first meeting of Batman and Commandy, somewhere in the near future. Because that was actually what I was thinking when I picked this. Uh, but in the meanwhile, uh, I think the cover is cool. I kind of like like what I said, that you it wouldn't jump out at you necessarily immediately that Commandy's jumping down to attack Batman. I think that there's some ambiguity there that that's cool. So that it leaves you to be a little bit more surprised inside when you find out that he is the hitman. Uh, the interior art, I as we said, I like it. I think the coloring could have been better. There's a couple of points where I thought it could have been inked a little cleaner, but not bad at all. Uh, I'm going to say a B plus on the interior art. Uh, and, it, and it could be a borderline A if it was inked, if it was colored a little better. And the story, I thought the story was fun. I thought it was silly at many points, but silly in a good way. So I'm going to say a B on the story. And overall, I'm going to give the book a solid B. I liked it slightly better than you. I I think it's a solid B plus across the board. Color, cover, story and interior artwork. Like you said, the uh, some of the color choices knocks it down slightly on the art. And as far as the story, the only thing that really knocks it down for me a little bit is the uh, convoluted way that he winds up here and goes back. You know, it, it almost there's almost a vibe to it of me of those old um, John Carter of Mars stories. Oh, yeah. He, he kind of thinks his way to Mars. You know what I mean? Like he mm-hmm. goes into a trance and all of a sudden he's on Mars. This is what it kind of reminded me of here, though. I, I can't justify why Commandy gets these superpowers and invulnerability. And, why well, and, that's, and that's the thing about the Haney verse. You just gotta, you know, it's like, yeah, we're gonna do that. Why are you doing that? I don't know, but just accept it. <laughs> you know, that's well, that's really part what of what, down to. why I was looking at the Who's Who entry. You know, not knowing the character, I thought maybe, oh well, maybe this he's got powers in the future. No, not the case. If but it we, was a if fun we, story. Uh, if we both end up doing a read through on Commandy, maybe we'll do a Commandy focus episode down the line sometime. Yeah, that could be fun. Well, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to have to visit some more of these Brave and the Bolds because, yeah, they're a little wacky, but they're ent- entertaining, which is the most important aspect. Yeah, well, it's the same thing. For a while, we had to put a moratorium on doing episodes of Brave and the Bold and Marvel Team Up and Marvel 2 and 1 and DC Presents because. They're fun stories, but we were like just hitting on them too often. They became like <laughs> a fallback position too often. So, and probably when Scott sees we did this issue, he's going to be like, "Oh, you guys suck! I hate you." You know. No, I could have said that if we did the one with uh, the Earth Two Batman marrying Catwoman. Was that like two hundred? So let's save that for the next time Scott can't make it. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> but in the meanwhile, I think that's going to wrap us up for today. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And thanks, Dave, for making time in your busy schedule for our listeners. My listeners always matter most, more than my own children. They are like my own children. (laughs) Every last one of you. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. I love you.